Sentire Media podcast from Italy. Thank you for downloading this podcast from Italy. I'm Jason. That's Ashley. Uh, together, we run, own, and operate La Tavola Marche, a little agriturismo in the middle of central Italia. And this is our second time doing it because <laughs> I deem the first one boring. Lackluster. Lackluster. So it is, instead of <laughs> Sunday morning, it is now Monday, the 27th of January, 2020. Uh, beautiful overcast morning here in Italy. Normal. Actually, it's kind of warm this morning. What is it? Seven degrees. Yeah. Yesterday, when we first attempted to do the podcast, it was super foggy and I loved it. <laughs> it's been so bright and sunny that uh, this whole winter and dry that it's been kind of nice to have some cloudy overcast days, a little tiny bit of rain and just super dense fog the last two days. Loving it. <laughs> but Alas, this morning, oh, whoa, big owl just flew by. Uh, alas, this morning, it is just overcast, no wind, and it's actually, I'm, whew, I'm pumped. I'm ready to get to get going on a Monday morning. So let's jump right into it. Uh, last time we left you, we were making the sausages and salamis. Uh, they're all done. We made, I don't know, over 100 kilos of the mix of the two of them. Uh, the great salt debate that we normally have with our adopted Papa Gaji was a mild version of previous years. It happened, though. It's classic. I mean, if you've watched any of our videos, listened to past podcasts about this, it happens every year. How much salt do we put in? And every year, Gaji cannot remember properly. So this year, we tried to outsmart him with technology. We uh, made a video He of kept it. saying, how do you remember? I don't think it's that, Jason. Did you said- write it down? Did you write it down? I go, I got one better for you. We have a video of you <laughs> doing it. So we sit down. Ashley had it all queued up. We watched the video. He watched himself do the math and how much percentage we put in and blah, blah, blah. He didn't believe himself. No. And then didn't he still later say he thought um, there was something wrong with the grind of salt? Yeah, I don't know. It's always something. <laughs> it was like, but, oh, my God. But all in all, it, you know... If you think about it throughout the years, this was a mild version. Very of what much, we've no gone real through. arguments. No. You went along with it pretty quick, but so they're hanging, and this should be there for how much longer? Um, this now starts your process of your rotating. Yeah, so now it comes to the time of playing with the uh, amount of air I let them have. Um, whether, like, obviously, if it's a windy day, I'll close up the windows so they don't dry out too too quickly. Um, if it's a still day, I can open them up. It depends on the humidity in the air, and I just kind of every three days or so kind of make um, take everything off of its spot on the hooks and rotate it throughout the room. The sausages will take four to six weeks. The salamis will take eight to twelve weeks, and classically just- as well, Gaji, as he always has done in years past, brought ribbon to mark his sausages and salamis that he'll be taking with him. <laughs> he likes to go through them all no once they're done. They're all done at the same time. We all do it together. It's like, dude, just take whatever. But no, he no. likes what he likes. <laughs> so we'll let you know the progress of that, and hopefully I don't screw it up. No, and we've been working on, gosh, since um, we've been kind of just doing these days and projects at home, it's back to work on the computer last podcast we gave you the update for the 2020 calendar and now we've been working on kind of updating some of these uh programs and especially the move to italy workshop to update it for 2020 now yeah a lot has changed you know Mm -hmm. things change every year so we've been kind of going over our spiel if you will and um one it's like our our ted talk (laughs) (laughs) wow 
it's totally not um, anyone who's been here who's been there it's like it's not um one question that we get on email well, i don't answer any emails but um one thing that ashley gets all the time is, uh is what um how much does it cost to move to italy or, or how, how much, much do, do i need, need? <laughs> and this is a this is a great question that you need to answer on your own but it's a crazy question to ask someone who Just, and like a total stranger doesn't know your situation because it depends on you what is your living situation like what are you willing to sacrifice or not sacrifice do you have children where in this country are you going to live so our we- situation was uh probably very different than most we were 25 using every last penny we could to get here and we- so we were willing to um have freezing cold winters the first one and not understand how to heat the house um following winter to actually have to make money during the winter when we couldn't have guests we moved to amsterdam and worked under the table (laughs) are you willing to do that so so when when we get this question it says a couple of things one you that person hasn't really thought through the process and doesn't really understand what it means to move uh, to relocate or to buy property or they haven't done really any of the any of the due diligence on their part and they're looking just kind of for a well you know just give me a ballpark are you buying a villa millions (laughs) do you want to live in a tiny tiny apartment out in piovico not millions no (laughs) no probably less than you think so um we can help you get to that number by cost of living or explaining the tax liabilities for renting or owning or blah, 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 or putting you in touch with people that can answer very specific questions. But that one question that we get constantly just is... is well, it's a turnoff because as Jason said, it means you haven't done your homework. It's like when you go on Facebook and you see people on groups just like, in 2030, where should I go in Italy? <laughs> You're like, what? And it's... There's tons of resources out there, and t- whether it's through us and the workshop or through even Facebook groups, that you can direct some of these questions. But it's really important to be as specific as possible to get some actual information and real feedback. It's so important, and why we highly recommend creating a budget <laughs> because well, and a business plan and a business plan, of course. But even just if you're planning to move out here for. Um, different lifestyle retirement or a holiday home still people don't tend to sit down and write a full budget they just kind of want to know what the number is <laughs> it's like like jason said it's going to vary for everyone so put a pen and paper to it start a spreadsheet start looking at the cost of living start breaking down what kind of place you want to live in and when and take it off in small parts yeah and then that when we get when we get questions that are more specific and it, and it's it's obvious that someone has done a lot of research into it it makes us perk up well me perk up oh okay this person's a little more serious than i'm gonna move to italy in 18 months how much do i need exactly come on now another uh, one we get um quite often with americans is can i even buy a house can i buy a house or rent a place as an american Jason? Or as a foreigner in general True. um yeah they'll take your money Anyone will take your money. Um, <laughs> you can absolutely buy or rent anything as long as you pay for it. Exactly. Now, whether you're allowed to stay for more than, for North Americans, more than 90 days, that's a whole nother 
hill of beans. Correct. But and, you can buy the house. But you can buy the house. <laughs> you might not be able to stay there all year. Now, the first step that's going to happen is you need to uh, have a codice fiscale. And a codice fiscale is your fiscal code. Your tax identification tax number. <laughs> it is a free thing to get. It is the easiest thing you'll ever get in Italy. It's the way they're going to tax you. So they make it very, very very easily. But even if you're not going to pay taxes or have any business in Italy, you need this number for a lot of different things. For instance, to get a SIM card for a mobile phone, you have to have a Codice Fiscale. Um, To open a bank account. To open a bank account. Weird stuff. Like um, if you go to buy like um, hardware products, sometimes if it's a controlled like spray cans or just weird stuff, you'll have to, they'll ask you for your Codice Fiscale. So uh, don't be put off by, well, I'm not going to live here and I don't want any tax. No, 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 it's not that kind of thing. It's just a way that they can kind of track you. On your next trip, if you are thinking about moving to Italy, it would be a great thing to put on your to-do list to check off. Because, like we said, it's um, easy. It's free. It doesn't take very much time at all. Get it at the Agencia di Entrate. Mm-hmm. Bring your passport. Uh, bring a photocopy of the first page of your passport with a photo. And um, I think the form might even the be The form on is online or you can just get it there. It's super quick and easy. And there you go. Uh, um, the bank account, though, I have to say, was um, as an American, you should definitely, or a foreigner, and you're planning to move here, open a bank account once you've got your Codice Fiscale because then you can start transferring money to yourself. And it's got the money trail. Especially being an American, we are still American citizens. There's a lot of um, ever since, checks yeah, ever, the Ever US. since the 2000-whatever, when the Swiss hold thing went down. Yes. After that, we had to fill out forms that the bank had to submit to the – basically to let the United States look into our account. What's the name of the form? FICO? FACA? Um, FACTA, I think Facta. it is. Uh-huh. And I think I just was reading as well that it's for 50,000 um, euros or over in your account. Um, kind of sets off the flag. But anyway – I recently went to go open a new bank account because <laughs> I want some flight points. <laughs> we don't make any points with a farmer's bank. But uh, I tend to forget sometimes that even though we've been here for 13 years, that things don't change as quick as I think they might in my mind. Um, it took literally, no joke, five hours to open a bank account. Jason stayed at home to get work done and was so thankful. He <laughs> was like, oh my God, I was here. I was starving by the time I left. I couldn't believe it. And it's probably 500 signatures, stamps, Timbros are like business uh, stamp. And then everything screeches to a halt once they find out you're still an American citizen. Because then it means extra phone calls, checks, because they're not used to it. And it's like, oh God, call the guy. What do we do with Americans? Sometimes it's hard for them to find your state in, or city of birth in the computer. You know, there's all these little things that just seem to throw it off, slow it down. And it's a to-do. It is. So if you want to morning. do that on one of your trips to Italy, yeah, that is not a pop in, pop out kind of thing. <laughs> oh man. The, we always kind of save our bureaucracy business stuff for the winter time because that's the, honestly the time when we can burn half a day or a day going exactly. to different offices. So um, you will hear in the next in the next couple of months um, 
us. Bitching about bureaucracy. Bitching <laughs> about bureaucracy. It's coming. Um, one thing that was funny, we got a call a couple of weeks ago from Coldoretti. Coldoretti is the farmer's union. Um, and we are an agriturismo, so we are registered as farmers. Now, they are the place you go when you um, have a contract that you need to register. Um, they'll do seeds. Uh, at, like, they'll have the uh, country. Con- Contribution. Contributions from the European Union they dole out. They're basically the intermediary between agriculture um, and the state, mm-hmm. right? They control it all. They are th- – our our branch out here is the most disorganized, <laughs> ridiculous – like, it is crazy. Well, don't forget, half the time their um, when their mobile office is set up, it's in the back corner of a feed store on top of bags of chicken food <laughs> is where the computer is laid out. So a few weeks ago, I got a call from a very nice lady in the office saying, oh, you got to come in and sign something. I go, oh. Okay, you know, we've been in there a couple times in the last six months. Mm -hmm. Um, All right, what did we forget to sign? She said, oh, it's blah, 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 blah from 2017. I thought, from 2017? We're in 2020. What is going on here? And that's cold already. They are probably now getting to 2017's documents and someone didn't sign something. I'm like, well, I can't come in this week and then we're going to be out of town and uh, blah, blah. She's like, yeah, 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 whatever. Just coming in. I guess Those offices, when you walk in, have the most unbelievable – it is like a – you would think it was almost a caricature of a messy office in the sense of the paperworks in the stacks of papers in – um, file folders. That there's no filing cabinet. There's no filing cabinet. It's just stacked like floor to ceiling, left uh, left to right, portrait uh, landscape, any way you want to Ike- put them. There's like bad Ikea-looking um, uh, shelving Shelves. with just folders in it. It is. There's a- no names on the sides of these folders. It's all just on the top. So there's no like le- lip or l- edge as a kind of an American style folder where you could see it um, on the sides. And so they just have to thumb through these stacks. But for some reason, they seem to know where everything is when I show up. Do you know why they do it that way? Why? Self-preservation. What do you mean? If they start firing people in that office, there is no rhyme or reason to any of the files. <laughs> That office is so terrible. Those people have made it so that they can never lose their jobs. Fire me. Good luck. It'll take you years to figure out this mess. I kid you not. Next time we have to go back into that. We have to go back into that office. We will get a little um, like snapshot of the file folders. We'll have to. I'll have to do a little. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's the leaning tower. Like it's the leaning tower of file folders all over it's, the place. And literally also the kind of office where. Phone rings, phone rings, phone rings. So often they just take it off the hook and put it oh, on the side of the table. That's, that's like their move. standard. That is they their invented move. invented that move. <laughs> anyway, so we'll give you – so Coldoretti needs something signed from 2017. Normal day. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along. Uh, um, uh, also this time of year, there uh, we get to travel around a little bit. And we are lucky enough to have time off and get to take advantage of cheap flights throughout Europe from – uh, Italy, and you can find like if you're willing to not uh, check a bag, uh, re- like fourteen, fifteen euros. Seriously, to London or to Barcelona or to Budapest, Budapest or uh, any of those. Um, 
really, really inexpensive. Uh, the only problem is that logistically it's tough for us because um, we live so far away from an airport. Now, Ancona is our ch- closest little airport, but Ancona generally goes to um, like eastern, the other side of the Adriatic um, up to – It's inter-European. Yeah. Other side of the Adriatic, um, it goes up to like M- Munich. Munich and Rome mm-hmm. um, and a couple of other places. But it's really, you go, you would take... It's a- more that these smaller airports are seasonal. So in the winter, you've got a lot less flights, a lot less choice. Come the summer, when we don't have the time to fly, then it's there, it opens up to quite a few more places. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But um, exactly. So it's kind of fun to try to take advantage of a 15-buck flight, but we quickly realize that we start adding on to it. Now, when Jason says we live so far away from an airport... It's two and a half hours to Bologna or to Florence, but we live here, so that feels long because we're adding it onto our flight. Now, when get, I, I, don't, I don't want you to say, it like, oh, we're so far for people arriving in the sense of when you're coming on vacation, you don't care to then jump in a car. It's all part of your vacation once you get here. You know what I mean? But when if you decide to live in Italy and you are taking this under consideration it's like every, every time, time you, you want leave, to go. It's two and a half, three hours in the car, and especially if you land later at night. You have a three-hour car ride in front of you. We get home. It's pitch black and cold, and we have to we heat our house with wood. So it ends that you have to either spend the night uh, going or coming home. And we, um, you can find a lot of really, really, really inexpensive places to stay, um, like 50, 60 euros a night kind of thing. Just not in the center of Bologna. Mm-hmm. Um, now we've been we've had great luck with this, and we've been burned a couple of times. A um, couple of times, Ashley has chose places where it's like I'm not taking off my jacket or jeans, and I'm <laughs> I'm just getting in bed like this, and no shower, no shower, absolutely <laughs> Don't not. Touch anything. But for the most part, they're they're okay. Uh-huh. They're okay for you know to crash at eight. You know, come after dinner, crash, and wake up the next morning and get on a flight. Who cares? Um, we try to pick different spots too because we you know you could always stay at the um, place off the end of the runway. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. This well, time- we live here, so switch it up. Yep. So this time, instead, we decided to stay in Imola. And I like to say it was amazing. <laughs> so Imola <laughs> is on the A- uh, A14, right, going towards Bologna. So it'll be like uh, Cessna, Forli, Imola, no. Uh, um, Castello, San Pietro, and mm-hmm. then finally B- Bologna. And then on the other side of Bologna, you have the Modena, Parma, that exactly. kind of thing. So this is on the Adriatic, Closer s- to us. Cl- Adriatic side of Bologna. Um, now, why I say it was amazing, it's not that it's a phenomenal town. It's, it was actually a lovely lovely walled city um it was just that it was so much better than livorno which we just visited and did not particularly like both are industrial but in different types yeah livorno was industrial like petroleum factories and port industrial like stinky well yeah that was just kind of the petroleum thing going on uh this was more manufacturing and Agriculture. agriculture so um it was it's in the plains it's in the 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 flatlands um and they have one of my favorite things in italy is they have a great zona industriale an industrial zone or sometimes they call it zona artigianale and an artisanal zone now if you ever find now what am i talking about well all the cool stuff the people making things and um the interesting Uh, uh, It is a world of wonder and merriment. You don't know what you will find. It could be anything from um, 
frames, making window frames, picture frames to um, ironworks or marble. We've in our little Arbanya, they're making, they're working on race cars. Yeah, there's a race team. Um, in our there. friend Marco plays indoor beach volleyball in one of these industrial zones inside. I mean, you don't ever know what you're going to find. It's it's incredible. So if you ever get lost and you find yourself turn, flipping it in an industrial zone, just. Give a little peek. You might see Take a little cruise by. Big, big warehouse doors open and they're building a yacht or or it'll be absolute, or not or, <laughs> or it'll be a really interesting um, professional uh, tool shop or you never know. Well, Imola had a great zone industrial just to poke around and see they're making tractors and they're making transmissions and they're making window frames. And oh, man, I bet you're getting the listeners so oh, excited. baby, baby, baby. <laughs> There was a place making forklifts. Isn't that what you guys want to see on your next trip to Italy? <laughs> anyway, I'm just... But one thing that Zona Industriale always usually has, or any kind of B-road, look, for, they'll, you'll see these at the big roundabouts between, like, two major B-roads, is great, simple, like truck stops mm-hmm. how do you know where to find these just look for all the cars and trucks somehow i got a nose for them too i'm good at sniffing them out so ashley found this one in the zone industriale and we didn't really know where it was because when we pulled up it was there were so many trucks around this place that i thought it was like a truck like depot yeah you couldn't even really see the restaurant but i wouldn't call it a restaurant the diner the diner <laughs> and um this is where you're gonna find um a very very simple meal it'll be very inexpensive. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not so much. But what it'll always be is a scene. Oh, it was not particularly good at all. But I would go back in a heartbeat. It was so much fun to just sit there and people watch. The plates of pasta were being served on pizza plates. With heaping, heaping. Heaping. And Jason, it had to be how 500, many? 500 grams. Uh, like uh, over over a pound of pasta. Over a pound of pasta plate. I don't know what was more impressive, the sheer weight and strength that the six servers had to feed this entire place, carrying four of these pasta plates at a time, or the fact that the Hungry Eaters patrons ate every stitch of pasta. Like, when we had the pasta delivered to my to the table, it was like, oh, Jesus Christ. We started laughing. I started laughing unbelievably because I thought, there's no way we can eat all this, even if we shit the Jesus Christ. And then you look around, it's like, no, they're all coming back empty. So when you walk into this place, it looks a little bit like when you walk into an auto grill because you it's there's a you walk into basically a bar into the bar part and there's you know things t- stapled to all the walls and <laughs> yeah. windows and daily specials. menus and the specials. Um, and- so to, when you walk in um, there on the left, there's a big bar, and then to the right are two large rooms. Come to find out, these large rooms are segregated, not by race or age or anything, by Civilian and truck driver. <laughs> One room was all the truck drivers, and the other room was all the other people. They must have learned they don't mix. <laughs> they must have. Um, now, it is a place where the menus are printed on the placemats. Um, so you just look, and, and it is, um, what did you call it? A gl- I said it was a glorious TV dinner. I called it lunch. <laughs> like a, a Salisbury one. steak, you know? I think that's almost what came. Um, I made it, uh, to me, it was more like um, slide your tray lunch lady, like you're going to school lunch cafeteria, but they brought it to you. Exactly. Exactly. 
the, everyone was really nice, really friendly. You know, the house, big pictures of house wine, um, simple stuff like uh, um, veal milanese or just like ribs. A pound of pasta. A pound of pasta. <laughs> like pasta. The pasta was, was incredible. It was not great. Um, there was a party that was being yes. There was a him. giant, in one corner of the civilian room was a party of like 40 or 50 people being served out of giant chafing dishes. Like, it was just a scene. Um, now, we've been to other ones where it's absolutely delicious. We went to one, and this one was, it It didn't matter. It was, it, it, they're very, very inexpensive, and it was so much fun. Oh, I totally would go back. In fact, when we I'd landed, go back I know, you were like, should we go there for dinner tonight? It's right <laughs> off, it's right off the Autostrada, it's 10 minutes. You know, five, ten minutes off the autostrada. Now, we've been to one in uh, on our way to Venice when we got off the autostrada and hugged the Adriatic coast up to Venice. And that place, it was the same kind of thing. And same location. It was in the roundabout, like on the edge of the roundabout. On the edge of a giant round of a big intersecting roundabout. We just saw the trucks. And uh, flipped around. And there they had... Um, everyone was eating uh, veal milanese, but it was it looked like a, a tire cap, like a hug cap. It, <laughs> it was, was like falling the pizza off plate. the plate. <laughs> Again. And it was the same thing. Giant room and nothing but truckers. We kind of liked that thing. I we went to one it. with fish. In, in Milan. In Milan. We were um, going to a... Uh, uh, expo. expo or whatever, and it was right around the expo center. And again, just tons of cars. It's like, oh, I guess that's where we're there eating we lunch. Go. So you won't find these places online. There's no Yelp review. There's no TripAdvisor for this. This is being. A... I did see some of these on Google Maps. Oh, you just have to know okay. what to look for. Well, because they're not listed as ristorante most of the time. Because when you when you put in a restaurant, it gives you another class of mm-hmm. place. I don't know. Here's where you'll never go wrong. Ditch the stupid smartphone. This country isn't <laughs> built for it. This is, it's not set up that way. Keep your eyes open. Look. When it starts to get around 11, 30, 12, and the belly starts rumbling, start looking. I start smelling. I start <laughs> get off. Get out of the get out of the centers of the towns or the or get off the autostrada and check out what you find. Sometimes you'll sometimes you'll be eating bread and cheese and sliced ham on the in your car in the grocery store parking lot because you found nothing. Yeah, one way or another, it'll be memorable. <laughs> you'll have a story to tell. <laughs> but if you do come across one of those places, it's it's just something you can't plan and you can't. Um... No, I would have to say I had we laughed so hard and not at them. Just it was just such a fun. Um, evening and experience for some reason. And we were the only foreigners there. For sure. But the I was going to say, that, th- seriously, don't stick your nose up in the sense of, I, we had more fun there than we would have ever at like a Michelin starred restaurant or something like that. Like Italy's about being a little more simple and gritty and you're with the people. I like it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we walked out of the restaurant and we walked between two trucks and there's a guy peeing in between <laughs> the two trucks. It was like, oh, pardon me. Pardon me. Your bathroom. My bad. <laughs> you don't remember that? Cherry on the top. <laughs> so we're in um, we're into the dog days of winter here. Winter projects. Uh, Home from our trips. Yeah, we're done. No more traveling. Maybe we'll take a maybe we'll take a uh, poke down to the southern part of Italy. I want to get some Cacciacavallo. I know, and I want to go to Matera still, but not in the summer when it's so hot. No, but um, right now we're making lists and. Getting the greenhouse together before we know it, we're going to be playing, uh, starting to get our little seeds going and uh, germinating the seeds and transplanting them and getting them going. So you'll hear about that. I'm trying to work on getting a um, organized workflow system and system and in there. So a lot of um, 
porn stuff. <laughs> nothing, nothing really interesting. No, other than and that. I also you wanted to build a new chicken coop. That's exciting. Woo! I know for someone who has no idea. So we're gonna we've got a bunch of projects coming up. That's for sure. So we'll keep you posted on that. Otherwise, it's um. We'll keep it short and sweet. Ashley, you're going to read another um, yes, chapter? Yes, uh, I'm going to read another chapter from the book. And this one is Running Over the Hill. This one's all about Jason and for kind of from his point of view. Oh, all right. Um, bring us home. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you have any questions for the Move to Italy workshop, we'll do another Q&A in another week or two. Um, or any questions at all for the podcast, send them on over. <laughs> if you want your questions to be made fun of <laughs> and just torn apart, send them on in. Please, we would love love it <laughs> you can send those inquiries to info at latavlamarque.com uh, visit the website latavlamarque.com uh, l-a-t-a-v-o-l-a-m-a-r-c-h-e and of course follow us on facebook twitter instagram and stay tuned stick around for another chapter of the book i might even read two all right. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking around for another chapter or two of the untitled, unfinished, unpublished book about our first year living in Italy. All right. Chapter 20. And now remember, I haven't really read these in about five plus years. And some of these are more chapter summaries, but stick with it. It's kind of fun. All right. Here we go. Chapter 20, Running Over the Hill. Hauling ass over the hill, Jason races the clock like a heart-pounding episode of 24. The car is filled with garbage and spilling out in the back and recycling spilling out the back as he takes the corners hard down a rugged road. Only slowing in front of Meatballs' house because she hates the dust kicking up close to her clothesline. He's making good time. It's only 7.50 a.m., but Jason's got to move fast because in two hours he needs to tie on an apron and teach four guests how to make pasta in our kitchen. When you know the road like I do, you can drive it like a Formula One racer. (laughs) Or so Jason has convinced himself. It should only take me exactly 12 minutes to get to my first stop. Once you hit the main road, take a left towards Urbana for 14 kilometers of classic Italian countryside roads. Hairpin turns, winding and climbing the steep hill and back down past fields of sunflowers and long wheat. I'm constantly reworking the menu in my head. The car is on autopilot the whole time, trying to remember the little things that are easy to forget. What was the last... Was that the last roll of toilet paper? Are we out of dish soap or sparkling water? Of course, it's all written out, neat and organized, which I've left alongside my sunglasses on the kitchen table again. (laughs) Squinting around the bend and blasting past the marble quarry, his inner dialogue continues. I've got 14 for dinner plus three kids and one vegetarian. They're getting a heavy dose of zucchini and cucumbers tonight. Minutes after eight, Jason springs out of the car. The first stop is always to Fresca Fruta, the cooperative to pick up what we don't grow. Lemons, milk, nectarines, fruit for breakfast. This is my greatest variable of the day. It's a cooperative. Sometimes they don't have what you need, or better yet, something looks good. You can't resist like today. So it's the quick menu change. The crates of peaches look so irresistible. I scrapped the planned panna cotta for dessert and decided to make poached peaches and wine. They'll be beautiful. He's out the door in record time. Most of the day, most of the butchers, most days, the butchers, Beppe and Mimi, while effortlessly dissecting a quarter of a pig, chat for a moment or two with Jason about the weather and pork chops. <laughs> but they know if I've called ahead, I'm in a hurry. We exchange pleasantries and I tell them I'm planning to cook within 10 minutes. The keys are in the ignition. Saturday morning at 11 a.m. It's a different story. I'm six deep waiting in line. You'll be here half the day standing behind the oldies 
The last stop always seems to take the longest. Here's what you need to understand about the small town grocery store. I'm in a huge hurry and everyone else is not. Jason glances down at his watch, noticing the aisles are empty. I'm making great time. All I've got to do is pick up a bag of semolina, a loaf of bread, and a few odds and ends. It's almost 9 a.m. and the bread counter is empty. The circus is yet to begin. Forgoing the usual banter of old ladies requesting to touch every loaf, only to settle on the first one they looked at. This can honestly take 20 minutes alone. He makes a beeline to the checkout, running through his mental shopping list one last time. Thankfully, there's only one sweet little lady in front of him. What's the total? Thirteen forty-six. I will pay with chintzing me. Cent pieces, please. Pulling out a fist of five and twenty-cent pieces, she laid them on the counter and counted aloud. Let's see. That's sixty cents, eighty, one thirty-five. Coin after coin, one at a time. I'm five euros short. Just put it on my tab. She finishes. Back on the road, next stop home. With a few moments to spare, the kitchen door bursts open. The music is on, the kitchen is clean, and class set up. I help Jason unload the car. He splashes a little water in his face, washes his hands, ties on the apron, downs a quick shot of cafe, reaches for his chef knife, and greets the guests for his class. As the years go on, he would perfect and hone his timing like a well-oiled machine. He's got it down now, with plenty of time to spare on most days. (laughs) All right, that was a short one, so we'll do one more. Chapter 21, Guests. The sun crests over the foothills, and we linger in bed a few minutes longer with just a thin sheet over us, listening to the songbirds chirping in chorus. It's so perfectly tranquil. You'd be amazed at how nice it is to wake up in the morning with the horrible ear-ringing buzz from an alarm clock, like an earlobe assault in the first thing in the morning. The birds singing, the cats cuddled, our feet with the smell of the summer in the air. It's impossible to wake up on the wrong side of the bed. I'll start the coffee, you stay here, Jason sweetly offers. You're so good to me, Aiku, enjoying the extra five minutes of peace and quiet. So, what's on the books today? Before I can fall back asleep, Jason is back with frothy cappuccinos and a kiss and is chipper than a chicken. Okay, I've got to flip an apartment. I've got to flip apartment one. The family from number three leave today too. And you've got dinner for 12. Reviewing the day's to-do list, Jason can't help but wonder what will go wrong today. He loves it though. There's never a dull moment. It's like an adventure every day, he says. Since the first half the summer was slow, it's nice to be picking up pace a bit. Summer was in full swing with the house only sometimes full of guests, 90% of them being Italian, thanks to the article written about our Easter lunch. That first summer, we were um, scrapped, but we were full by more with family and friends visiting than actual paying guests. We were nowhere near fully booked for the first season, but Italian guests were a welcome surprise. However, only enhanced my fear of answering the phone. <laughs> Jason and I still to this day paper rock scissors when we hear it ring. But if it's anything to do with guest relations, it's my department and he happily tosses me the phone. As we do our morning chores and prepare for breakfast for the guests, sweep the pool, work in the garden, shop for dinner, and clean any rooms that need to be flipped that day before 11 a.m., by 11 a.m., Jason scrubs the toilets while I change his sheets. They dry instantly, hanging in the warm air, smelling fresher than any downy dryer sheet. We alternate between vacuuming, dusting, and mopping our way out of an apartment. Running in and out of the house, it's so peaceful you can hear our coworker, the cuckoo bird, the trees behind the house. The rushing river passing over the smooth rocks and an overweight bumblebee chugging along, hopping from one sunflower to the other. 
while still learning along the way, making tons of little mistakes, or just working insufficiently. The midday sun is hot and the cicada buzz, making a post-lunch nap is necessary to have stamina for dinner service, which in the summer ends around midnight. It feels good to be working and actually having guests. We get into our groove. Jason loved it because the time flew. Before you've had a chance to look at your watch, it's lunch. Time to prep dinner and the day is damn near done, he says. In New York, days fade into months quickly without even realizing the change of season and only noticing by Hallmark displays, reminding me how how many shopping days left till Christmas. And even though the summers are warm, they were humid and unbearable. Never before New York did I even have chin sweat. I didn't even know what that was. I'd get it on the subway platform and my forehead would break out horribly. I was so grossed out. (laughs) I would arrive to work with a migraine from the heat, my hair frizzed from the humidity and pitted out from the walk from the train. Oh, shoot. Phone ringing. It must be Gaji. One moment. Okay, thanks for sticking around. I swear to God, side note, that was the bank calling for another signature. <laughs> we need to sign two more different documents. <laughs> All right. Anyway, back to the hellhole in New York. Um, pitted out from the walk from the train. Jason used to say, we live in hell. The winters are freezing ass cold and the summers are disgusting. <sighs> As cliched as it is, you know it's summer in Italy by the early morning light, the sunflowers in full bloom, the air thick with barbecue smoke and dry wheat fields that twinkle at night, filled with fireflies casting a magical glow across the house. Growing up Seattle in Seattle and a fan of shitty rainy days, don't get me wrong, it never prepared me for sunny summers in Italy. I had no idea how much I loved the sun or the energy it would feed you. We glowed with sufficient vitamin D, and from running around around like chickens with our heads cut off, we were in the best shapes of our lives, fit and healthy, eating everything in sight. We looked years younger with less pollution and stress, with freckles on our face, and my hair looked awesome with that long, wavy, beachy look. Maybe there's something, maybe there is something in the water. I feel like I'm back in school with summers off, only it's no summer I've ever experienced, with long, sunny days that never end. I soak it up and linger in the warm rays, planting sunflower borders around the yard and lavender near the pool. When no one is around, we strip off our clothes at the edge of the pool. Jason dives in in perfect form, and I flail as I try to cannonball. God, this is the good life, we think. I really do love what we do. The guests offer us a constant source of entertainment, to say the least. Every night, there's a show performed in our kitchen and dining room. The music is set, cheesy and classic Italian music. I love it. The candles are lit with aprons wrapped around our waist. We welcome hungry guests in. Can I cut the bread yet? I ask Jason. Is this your first rodeo? It's still half an hour to eight. Just chill for 15 minutes. A few last-minute touches before it's time. Yoo-hoo, is this the right door for dinner? I hear a friendly guest call from the hallway. It's obviously this is not the correct door. There's a curtain hanging in front of it, and it's locked. (laughs) I put down the serrated knife and let her pass, giggling like a schoolgirl, eager to see what the magic is happening behind the curtain in the kitchen. Ooh, it just smells so good from upstairs, she baits Jason. Here, try this. Handing her a paper-thin piece of hand-cut prosciutto, he gives her what she wants. Mmm, and she wanders through the art and into the dining room. Okay, let's do it, Jason says, wiping his hands on a dirty kitchen towel. It's like hearing action. If this were a movie, 
I'd add a montage right about now. <laughs> Jason plates the dishes, picking colorful ceramic plates from Deruda to present each course. They're eating all of it, I'd squeal after checking on the guests' mid-meal. Jason's confidence grew with each plate returned to the kitchen. Cleaned plate returned to the kitchen. Almost four hours later, Jason is wiping down the stove, waiting for the last guests to finish their grappa, while I regale them of stories of what it's like living in Italy. The Americans that arrive are in shock of how far out there we really are and thankful for the good food and warm hospitality so far from civilization the italians are in shock as well but that it's that jason this full-blooded americano could cook like mama they plead with me at the end of their meals hands clasped together in prayer just tell me he's got a little italian in his blood they beg blowing out the last candle flicking the kitchen lights off and locking the door behind us we make our way to the 50 feet to our little cottage the constellation lights our way and scene i'd say as we close the door behind us oh it is the good life all right thanks for sticking around the next chapter that i will be reading on who knows when's podcast <laughs> will be chapter 22 this ain't no bathtub gin all right have a wonderful day everyone ciao ciao Sentire Media. Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentire Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com, that's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com, and find out how to submit your show.